0: plushcare.com slash weight loss welcome to the times to find out more head to thetimes.co.uk
1: every goal every game everywhere the times and the Sunday
2: times now with goals Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti and I am delighted because joining me this week, before he takes a four week hiatus for no doubt very, very valid personal reasons, it's Rory K. Smith. Also joining me, somebody who is most definitely not going into rehab over the next four weeks, is Julian Lawrence. And joining us remotely from Vilnius, which has, I'm sure has either been or will be at some point a European capital of culture, it's Matt Dickinson. Coming up, we'll be discussing the start of the Klopp era at Anfield, the ongoing follies at FIFA, and the usual quick hits. But first, let's discuss some Euro qualifiers. Dicko, let's start with you. For England, it's been a drama-free, uh, a largely drama-free qualifying campaign, right? Nine wins out of nine. They they, they beat Estonia. They're, they're going to play... Lithuania, which is why you're in uh, you're in Vilnius. It's been understated because nothing's gone wrong and nobody's been in danger. That's all a good thing, right?
3: Well, it's sort of a good thing except for the fact that you know you need tests to work out your best team, you need tests to know how far you're getting, you need tests to yeah, you know, just to get a, a a realistic semblance of where you are in the world and England haven't had that. We're in the weird position of sort of bring on the friendlies because the FA have lined up some some decent ones. Spain and and Germany and and some proper teams to play. So, you know, we we want to bring those games on because we need to see where England are at. And, and, you know, this this campaign has been smooth, but are we closer to knowing what England's best lineup is, what their best strategy is, what their best tactics are? Um, We're not because, uh, and that's not all Hodgson's fault, he's had some pretty rotten luck with injuries. Burridge and and Wilshire, obviously, and Henderson. So we're we're in a sort of calm position. But actually, you know, if you're talking about how we're going to play the first big game of next summer, that's still very much up in the air.
2: Well, we're going to be getting to that. And just in case I'm going to help guys out who maybe haven't prepared for the show as fully as they did in a few minutes, I will be asking you. I'm not looking at you, Rory. I'm just looking in general around the room. I'll be asking you for your best eleven. Uh, for the opening day of the Euro. We'll get to that in a minute. Julian, Hutchins says he's going to send out an interesting team, which I think is a euphemism for saying he's going to try out players who maybe haven't been England regulars and and whatnot. Do you get the sense that he's kind of just going through the motions and that 90 minutes with a bunch of guys who are also new to the team and whatever, he's going to learn more from the training sessions perhaps with tra- players than by actually seeing them play?
4: I think there's a bit of both. And I think the, the game against Lithuania is important in a way because after that you've got, you know, um, November, you, you play France in a friendly, for example, which would probably, you, you're going to put your strongest 11. And after that, you've got March two friendlies in March and after that, it's your, it's your final squad of 23. So if you want to, it's probably one of the last, well, or the last really game where you can, yeah, you can put up a very inexperienced team with with young players or with players that have very few um, caps with them and see see what they can do, especially away from home, in a small stadium, not the great conditions, and see and see what they're about. And and I think that's what Deschamps did in Denmark, for example, with France on Sunday night after putting his strongest team in the first game against um, against Armenia. And I think that that would be the idea for Hudson to to see where those players are right now and see already thinking about his, his squad of 23 for the Euros. For all that it's been a very kind of
1: easy and sort of smooth sailing kind of qualification campaign, I think the one thing. Maybe you would have wanted Hodgson to do a little bit more. Is when the game still mattered, even after it became fairly obvious that England wouldn't qualify without any problems at all. He maybe could have chucked in a couple of of the of the more fringe players to see how they fare un, under more pressure in beautiful games. Yeah, because ultimately, I agree with Jules completely. But who's about to eat a pan of chutney? No. Um, I, I agree with him completely. That I think there is a, a, a validity to throwing in kind of eleven fringe players against Lithuania, but it, it, whether it's a meaningful test of any sort, I don't know. So maybe you know, two or three could have played against Slovenia away, which would have been a, a much tougher game. Even Switzerland at home. Do you know what I mean? You, you could have maybe gambled a little bit more in those fixtures yeah, because but it was obviously <laughs> the England
2: manager. He kind of knows the way the media works. Yeah, you
0: can't, you, you win, can't really blame him
2: yeah, yeah. for that, right? Yeah, Dico, you don't you don't blame him for for not playing the fringe players. For, for not adopting the Rory case. Well, means. we've
3: seen. I mean, we've seen thirty-one players. I think it'll be by tonight in in this qualifying. And you know, sometimes with these stats that come through um, about the lack of English players in the Premier League, you, you're, you're quite surprised to hear there are thirty-one. But you know, I mean, the pool, the, 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 the trouble with England, obviously, is the you know the, it's the thinness of it, isn't it? I mean, we're not. You know, if we lose Wilshire. It's not like we've got two or three just like Wilshire. Or if we, you know, if we lose a particular player, it's not you know, like other nations more blessed with abundance, we don't have so sort of lots of similar options of similar caliber. And that's the problem when you start getting down talking about sort of fringe players. Well, you know, John Joe Shelby, you know, I just don't think it's going to be good enough. Um, and yet he's starting a, a qualifying game away. So, you know, say some of that circumstances have been forced on him. But, you know, the fact is we need to, as, <laughs> as best we can, get to see something like a first 11 on the pitch. Uh, and see how they click
2: speaking of that first 11 this is the dreaded moment i told you would come it's the opening game of the euros and i want to hear your england 11 i'm going to start with you julian and julian i'd like you to pretend that you want what you think is the best uh, england 11 not just the england 11 that french people would love to see because it'll stink it up and be terrible
4: okay so i go for joe hart in goal i go for klein at right back we assume that everybody is fit. We yeah? assume that we, everybody is fit. Except right. hey.
1: maybe Luke Shaw. Because he's unlikely to be fit. They
4: wouldn't have. St- yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So, Joe Hart in goal. Klan at right back. Baines at left back. In the centre, I go for Stones and Smalling. I, I, I play 4-2-3-1. In my two midfields, I've got Wilshere and Henderson. I've got Barkley behind Sturridge. And I've got Sterling on one side... And I've got Alex, uh, I've got Theo Walcott, sorry, on the other side with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain on the bench, Rooney on the bench, Kane on the bench. Wow. Jones on the bench. No Rooney, no Hurricane, no? I think Ross Barkley, for me, is in better form right now than, than when Rooney... If, if everybody's fit, you know, we said everybody would fit, so that means, in my head, that Sturridge would have had a good run of games and the club at Liverpool, I think, for me, starts up front.
1: Rory? Hart, Klein... I would, I would say, are we doing the, the ones we think it will be or what we would, what you we know, would say? No, the, it one, the one that you think should be. The one that I would be. pick. The okay, one that so you would, would be. I would say Smalling and Stones. With, no
2: love for Jags and his experience, no? I think he's great to have in the
1: squad, but I think I think Smalling's actually been one of the best Smalling players in Jones? England this year. Yeah. Yeah. Smalling and Jones? Phil Jones? No, Stones. Stones oh, Stones, Stones. Okay, sorry. Um, Smalling and Stones, Kieran Gibbs at left back. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And
4: assuming th- that everybody's fit, assuming yeah? you'd have, you'd apart, have Gibbs apart, ahead of apart Baines.
1: From, apart from Luke Shaw, is, okay. fit, is fit? Yeah, I think Shaw, if Shaw's fit, which I don't think he will be, then I think Shaw plays. But yeah, I'd have Gibbs ahead of Baines. Then I think, Hodge, I think Hodgson wants to play four three three, but I don't think he's got the players to do it. To be honest, so I think it'll be four two three uh, one with Milner and Henderson in midfield. The, crea- Ooh, the creative sure. option, no passer midfield then. No, I think he might initially does a Wilshire's injuries, I think he might...
2: So Wilshire's fully fit yeah. in this scenario. Yeah, Wilshire,
1: Jack played. Wilshire is never fully fit. you're <laughs> not listening <laughs> to the,
4: the rules. All right. Said, assuming everybody's fairness and played.
1: Wilshire and... All right, if everyone is is fully, fully fit, fitter than Jack Wilshire has ever been, then Wilshire and Milner uh, with Oxley chamberlain on the right,
2: Rooney in the hole, Sterling on the left, and Sturridge up front. Again, no love for the hurricane. Okay. Dicko, you, you you obviously watch more of England than any of us.
3: Oh, and I spoiled. So
2: no pressure there.
3: <laughs> uh, no, I'm we're pretty we're pretty similar, I reckon. Hart, Klein, smalling, stones, left left back is the is the problem. I mean, Gibbs is uh, is a a risky choice. Bertrand, um, only come back from injury, not done enough. I mean, if Shaw's got any chance of being fit and yeah, but uh, I'd, I'd have taken Ashley Cold the last World Cup so that's full of, uh, I think left back we're, we're struggling I think uh, Wilshire and Henderson Midfield I think uh, Walcott Rooney and Sterling This is assuming Rooney has Played his way into form this season And Sturridge um, Just probably ahead of Kane uh, At the top of it
1: If you remember back to the Switzerland game Away in Basel He played the three in midfield didn't he with, with mm. Delft and I think against better quality opposition, if it, it's no point in speculating who they who they playing the first game. But there will be there will be at least one other
2: decent team in their group. Oh, yeah, it's actually interesting. I, I thought Delph was actually a pretty important part was, of this. Yeah, one yeah. Fit. Obviously, he's out now, but yeah. you know, in our but then little you, scenario, yeah, everybody's fit. But then the you have
1: the other issue of, of will Del, how how much will Delph play at City? You don't know. You do have Henderson and Milner are basically the same player, but one's five years older <laughs> than the other.
3: You really think that?
1: I think they're very similar. Yeah, they offer a very, a very similar skill set.
3: We've we've got this perfect record, and yet we're a million miles from knowing the best team. He played a lot of the qualifying with the Diamonds, with Wilshire at the bottom, and I don't think he'd do that against anyone half-decent. We've seen one formation, then we've tried another, and we probably think he'll go back to something that we tried two years ago. This is why, say, you know, maybe in Roy's head, there is absolute clarity about the team he wants to play, but that clarity has yet to be shown to the rest of us. The
1: diamond, the diamond's not a bad option, though, is it? Does you play no, Wilshere at the base? Sure. You have Hil- Milner sure. and Henderson running, and then you have Sterling at the tip. That that's not.
4: I'm not sure. I, I, don't, don't, I, don't, I, I don't, don't think in Euros playing playing diamond midfield. I'm not sure
1: I care enough and about the England formation. And yeah, Wilshere no,
4: no, think... can play there anyway. It's, it's always been a forced debate for me.
2: Digo, oh, just to wrap this up, I mean, we mentioned we mentioned Wayne Rooney, and I, I you know, obviously you talked about him playing his way back into the team. Do you think that maybe at some point in his development, Rooney stopped seeing football in quite the same way instead of regarding the game as the one that he played as a child <laughs> with, a, with a bottle of squash. Of, <laughs> stop laughing. With a bottle of squash on the side of the road and join his heart, it became something else to him?
4: Do people think that Rooney could be in decline, that this season could be very, very, very average, and then, and then that could become a big issue? No, people have been saying it for the do? last
2: five years, and he doesn't decline.
4: You know why he doesn't decline? Because for all the crap
2: that people say about him, He is objectively, I think, as technically skillful as almost any other English striker.
4: No, but that, there's not. Right? When he'd be 45, he'll still be skillful. There's, that's. I don't think Precisely, that's the issue, right? yeah. yeah. So but, you're talking about what? The athleticism? No, I'm talking like In what, what, what kind of Why would job, he decline? What kind of job? Well, if you know, if he if he's not decisive, if he doesn't score, if he doesn't give an assist, if he's very but he does continue trans- scoring and giving assists. Look, look right. at the numbers from last season. No, no. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about this season. So far with United, you can't tell me that he's been super decisive. We've seen him more transparent than anything okay. else. Which of United's?
2: Attacking players have played well this season, apart from apart from Martial in tiny spurts. True, Mata. that's
4: not my point. My point Mata is Mata, who Rooney. plays from a yeah.
2: standstill and sprays the ball around because the guy can't run. I mean, I don't, you know, I did this 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 continuous, like self, harm. There's something wrong no. with Rooney, and no. this and that. It's going to become Gaza enough.
4: No, I said I love Rooney. I'm just saying that could he become an issue, comes June where. He obviously be the captain and in the 23-man squad, but uh, the question is: Do we play him or not? Does he bring enough? The question Maybe is: The, the, the question you're asking we'll is ahead the ahead the question the you're
2: asking, and we'll ask Roy, and we'll ask Dicko because he's probably best place to answer is: If Rooney doesn't merit a place in the side, does Roy Hodgson have the cojones mm-hmm. to, to drop him?
3: Well, this is what we've been longing for from England managers for a while, isn't it? No, no sacred cows. I mean, it's you know um, we've been stuck with it, and again, it's just down to the shortage of yeah, the, the the lack of options has been a problem, and that that's compounded the sense that you know star players are, are picked automatically. And on the one hand, it's a Rooney issue uh, and a Hodgson issue because you've got to have the co-owners to do it. But it's also a broader England issue of having the confidence in you know Plan B, Plan C, and Plan, plan D. And I'm afraid we haven't had the talent pool to push the star players enough.
1: Well, if you if you have Sturridge and Kane on in rich veins of form towards the end of the season or
2: Walcott since Walcott, Walcott is now a striker
1: right? Then, then you do but Walcott you can fit into a side even if Walcott's playing as a striker for Arsenal Hodgson would get away with saying right he's on form he plays right wing for England people would accept that but if Sturridge and Kane are both in, both playing really well both scoring goals and Rooney's playing like a drain and Hodgson decides that he wants to play
4: 4-3-3 that's when it becomes an issue if you can put Rooney in the hole then Rooney will play in the hole I think Barclay is an amazing talent, and I think I think he would be, if he con- you know if he continues the season that is is had so far, I think he'd be crazy not to at least give him a chance to start the Euros.
2: Let's move on to some of the other uh, other qualifiers. As you guys know, I I love this qualifying campaign. I don't if I don't sound very excited about international <laughs> break, it's because I don't get excited about international breaks. However relative to other euro qualifying campaigns i think this one's been fantastic because there's games to watch every single day for six days in a row you can either watch good teams against who've already qualified against bad teams and you can actually watch them because they're not all at the same time and there are a lot of exciting game I, the, that poland ireland uh, you know last night that was that was exciting if you're a neutral you know you've got people playing for stuff and that's all that's all pretty cool but rory we've all talked about the wonderful fairy tale story of Iceland and here's an equivalent fairy tale story Albania the country that once sort of years ago officially decided that God didn't exist uh, now that's all changed they've reinstated God and look lo and behold they qualify for the Euros. and you
1: join a direct parallel between their decision to reinstate god and their final they <laughs> finally reaching a major championship final
2: i know sort of crying all about correlation and causality and maybe the two things aren't related but let me put it this way it certainly didn't hurt uh, <laughs> <laughs> neither did <laughs> appointing an italian manager i might add no
1: yeah, so i, I a great job i was in albania last week uh, for their game against serbia which as fans of uh, riots will know was the reverse fixture of the Damien Belgrade last year which ended with a drone being flown onto the pitch Sorry, I have
2: to ask because James Montague who's at the our colleague who's at the game he kept tweeting that there was a sniper on the roof the
1: Albertson Arena is quite small it's quite low slung and there's three tower blocks that overlook it and they t- the Interior Ministry of Albania told all the residents they weren't allowed on their balconies, they had to stay away from their windows, and they weren't allowed to permit guests from midday on the day of the game. They, were sh- they shut down the tower blocks. They shut all the roads around. They shut the road from Tirana to Elbasan at 12 o'clock. Uh, the game kicks off at 8.45 local time. And it was all to avoid trouble, because Albanians and Serbs don't like each other because of the thorny issue of Kosovo, right? So Albania lost the game to Serbia, which was very, everyone was very disappointed, this sort of eerie silence. Uh, but fortunately, for those of us who were quite touched by the Albanian stories, it's a very small country, it's a very poor country, they've n- never been to a major finals before. Uh, they then won in Armenia last night on Sunday, which means they have leapfrogged the mighty Danes, uh, bringing it to a close Morten Olsen's international career. And they have qualified for their first ever major t- major finals, and it's with, with a
2: team that's actually, I mean, the, the sort of the Albanian-Kosovar Diaspora is is, is enormous. So for Switzerland, whatever. But the, by the same token, like you look at this starting eleven, it's a pretty crummy team.
1: They're not great. I will. And yet, in say terms that. of
2: individual talent, so should we be praising their Italian manager? They had and his assistant Paolo Tramitzani, former Tottenham legend Paolo Tramitzani. They had George Graham, sworn enemy. Two or three quite talented individuals.
1: The only the, the most famous names to English listeners will be Laurie Shanna, who's played for Sunderland, who's now at Nantes. They've got two or three playing Serie A. Uh, quite a lot who play in Switzerland, including Talent Xhaka, who is Granit Xhaka's brother. Not as good, despite uh, his name. Not as good. Uh, they're, not, they're not brilliant. They're quite kind of tight and compact, and they're decent from set pieces. So De, De Biassi, the manager, has done a, done a brilliant job. But what's really interesting is that half of the sides, so 28 players I think they called up, 13 were born in Albania. Fourteen were born in Kosovo and one was born in in Germany. So it's, it's this once in a lifetime thing because obviously Kosovo next year should get UEFA membership. Yeah,
4: and have a team. which
1: means that in the future members of the Kosovo diaspora who currently elect to play for Albania may well or Switzerland or Switzerland may well elect to play for Kosovo instead of Albania, and that means that Albania have had this sort of expanded pool of players really for the first and only time in their history. So this this was their one their one shot at getting to a final, and they did it. It's great.
2: We hear about national teams coming together and being greater than some of their parts. Is there is there a parallel there perhaps a little bit with the um, between Albania and the the Republic of Ireland, um, who of course beat Germany and then suffered that that late heartbreaking loss to Poland.
3: You know, I was sceptical about the expansion of the tournament, and still, I mean, when we've actually seen the tournament itself, you know, we can. Can't be sure how it's going to um, how it's going to play out, but I think what it has done is is give hope to a lot of nations that you know. I mean, we, we're we're very alive to it because of the the home nations and the, and the Republic of Ireland suddenly you know being the, some of the big winners of of, of expansion because you know it, it it's changed the ambitions, um, the hopes, and aspirations of the of the middle the, the middle group of, of European nations or middle middle to lower group of European nations. Whether that would last, if you know, if if it wasn't so sort of alive to us, uh, is 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 an interesting thought. Mm.
2: But but who so? But who, who do you think is not going to be happy about it?
3: Well, until we've seen the the tournament itself, I mean, one of the joys to me of the Euros was the fact that you know you tended to lurch straight into huge games. I mean, it felt sort of you know knockout sort of you know football right from the start. You tend to get a Portugal v France or a you know, Germany v Holland, um, right right at the beginning, you tend to have that sense of, you know, this is incredibly immediate, big games, you know, big nations under pressure right from the start. I suspect there'll be a dilution of that. I mean, that's almost certain that there'll be a dilution of that. Now, whether that actually affects the tournament will have to be seen. I mean, whether, you know, we mu- we'll be excited about can Wales cause an upset? We'll be excited about Northern Ireland causing an upset. So, say, from a home nation point of view, we might actually still think the Euros itself are fantastic but the finals were always going to be the, the bit of this that was affected potentially for the worst not qualifying.
1: There's, there's two things I think that are quite interesting. One is that Dico's right that it may well be that you might get like a Germany-Albania you might get a couple of weaker groups in the finals where, where there are more Straightforward games than they normally are in the Euros. I think the the, the, the new round, the new rock, the new knockout round might be slightly worse than the quarterfinals, because uh, that was the Euros' selling point. But a lot of the teams who qualified, who are smaller countries in inverted commas, would have qualified anyway because they've won their groups. Do you know what I mean? They've done through automatically. It's not, right. a they're, they're, not they're not as bad, bad as you think they are. Just yes, so you don't uh, uh, whereas teams yeah. like Holland are, are yeah. in
2: serious danger of not qualifying. In fact will most certainly not qualify.
1: Yeah. Um, but not even Holland, like Turkey, Sweden might not qualify.
2: Well, I think when, one we'll of, out of four hundred yeah. or Tur- Turkey will get to the playoffs and presumably yeah. qualified.
4: But just now, for us in France, because I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm representing the, the Euros in my country. It's, you know, it's great because we'll have a million Brits coming over in the summer, which is going to be great. I think the atmosphere... It was fantastic last no, time I in Marseille. They yeah, loved it was it brilliant. Great day you know. out. Yeah. It was not their fault. But you know, I think I think I think uh, we're very happy in France to have the extended version of the Euros. Although, like Rory and Nico said, I think the Euros used to be more difficult to win than the World Cup mm. because you had such a concentration of strong teams. In a way, I know you disagree, but I think I think the Euros were always The Euros were never more difficult to win than the I World think Cup. They it's were. just an absolute nonsense. I don't well, think a... it listen, is. Listen, and listen. Even listen. players used to say. it.
2: You could get a player to say, come on, we've all spoken to players. You can get a player to say just about anything. Yeah, but what, right? you,
1: you can't no, disagree but, with what Dicko says that the, no, the difference I, between I, the Euros was that you went part, straight into those big okay, games.
2: That part, well, first of all, that's I agree with Dicko that that's how a lot of people feel. It's not how I feel. Uh, that's It's not exciting for me to see supposedly big countries. Like Remember the last Euros? Was, like, was, it, was it Holland and Germany in the same group? France yeah. and
4: England. Yeah, but yeah, but example. So, France.
2: So what? I mean, but like, just I mean,
4: take the groups of the World Cup, the group stages of the World Cup, and of the Euros. There's there's no debate that the, the ones at the Euros are far more competitive than the one. The, but which is normal.
2: But that's not true because you it saw is. it at the last World Cup, where simply because you can't name any Costa Rican players except for Kaylor Navas and Brian Ruiz, then Costa Rica go and finish ahead of Joel Campbell and Joel Campbell. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> then, Aust- then, Aust- then Costa Rica Aust- go. What? Oscar Aust- Duarte. Stop it! You you had to pull out the <laughs> Oscar Duarte. Okay but How then, then all, costa rica go and and they whoop italy and england and they finish ahead of them
4: no, but, i no, mean but it it's, doesn't mean that you can i,
2: I think no but but it's not upsets it's a, it is. Sorry, this, no, this, this no, is the notion that it, it has to be an upset because no, you don't know also, these people no, no, it's the you same do thing know
4: them, but you don't tell me that on paper, uh, yeah, okay, okay,
2: yeah, no, you're telling no, me
1: that costa rica beating italy on, is not an upset come on don't well, tell me you saw this one coming
2: no but what but what but what i would say is that the gap we fall prey to the hype and we don't understand we still can't wrap our heads around it, that this isn't the FA Cup we're talking about. That once you get into the competitive game, the gap between the players that we all know and recognize and the guys that we've never heard of because they play in Central America or whatever really isn't that great. And evidence of this is when the World Cup went to 24 teams and to 32 teams, right, there were people saying like, oh, look, you know, Brazil will beat Zaire 9-0. Well, other than Saudi Arabia on several occasions, and I believe uh, (laughs) Honduras,
0: was it it Hungary and, That's stamps.com. Code program. Um,
2: in El Salvador in yeah, 1982, yeah. which yeah, is yeah. before yeah. Rory was even born. It was not It was the year I was born. But right. I, unless you go, you go that far back, there aren't that many upsets. There aren't that many one-sided games. You go and you look at the number of games that, were, that have been won by three goals um, in major competition in, at, at the World Cup, and it's actually very, very few.
3: Oh, this- it's, not, it's, it's not about the shocks. It's, about, it's just about the intensity, isn't it? the sense of you know yeah it's it's a more it's just a more compact in, intense tournament but i say let's let's i let's hope the euros are great and you know yeah i'll tell you what i'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you sure,
2: what though. if, 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 if spain are I'm playing sure northern ireland and they're 1-0 up in the 80th minute which if you look at how many goals spain score in major tournaments it's not unlikely it will be just as uh, just as intense and just as exciting i think because of the possibility that there'll be a set piece and or, or, or something and Northern Ireland will score. And, and simply because Spain are are better by many magnitudes than Northern Ireland, I think it'll still be a tight, exciting exciting game. Liverpool have a new manager and it's Jurgen Klopp. Not much of a surprise there. We've kind of gone over this a little bit. I, I, I actually liked Rory's theory last week when we talk about the much maligned transfer committee and how it's really no different than the way many clubs do business. It's just that they call it a transfer committee, or maybe they don't even call it. Do do actually? Do Liverpool actually yeah. call it a transfer What's committee, I, or is it just something the media has created?
1: I think they do. I think they must have at least referred to it once to give that. Right. It's funny. We, me and me and Barrett both did pieces on clock on uh, last Monday, and instead of transfer, both committee, very good. I might add. Just for that's very kind of you. Barrett's was better than mine, but just yeah, for probably. um, just for a bit of kind of difference, we referred to the collegiate system of, of buying players, and people got really upset. People sort of said. What do you mean by that? Has it changed? It's the same thing. It is That is how all clubs buy players. It's not like mani- no manager in the world just goes, I want him, I want him and then they sign him. It do not work like that.
2: Dicko, I think several people have pointed out that if Klopp does nothing else, he's, he's really <coughs> re-energized and brought enthusiasm and and, and, and offered a huge lift. And, and he does seem to have genuine charisma, which Brendan Rodgers sometimes it felt that his great charisma was somehow scripted. Is that unfair to Brendan? or did you also get the sense sometimes that when he came out with certain statements, he'd really, really thought about them before, whereas Klopp seems more spontaneous?
3: Uh, well, I, th- I think Rodgers was sincere in, in, in what he was saying about, you know, wanting to improve uh, largely uh, English-British squad. I think he was sincere in the type of football he wanted to play, but I think I think his problem was that he just lost that clarity of vision by the end. I think, you know, he was trying to um, be a bit more pragmatic uh, and he was starting to, to, to chop and change and I just say I think he just you know I think it happens I think good managers can can lose their way a bit. Was
2: there a problem in your opinion with the way Brendan Rodgers presented himself that it somehow undermined his messenger's credibility well, because, I, and where I, the media filtered it?
3: There seems to, there seems to be a problem which not one I get I mean I, I'm always I, I'm always and still quite shocked by the sort of antipathy out there towards him I mean I you know I find myself Arguing his corner with an awful lot of people who you know who have been turned off, put off by the the, the notion. I mean, I, you know, floated the fact that a week or so ago that um, the FA will take him very seriously as an England contender, and the the comments uh, on Times Online were you know you must be joking. The guy's a fool. The guy's a fraud, etc. To, to an extreme, which was, say, I find quite shocking. And there is there is something in his public persona which. Doesn't great with me half as much as it seems to great with an awful lot of people, and if if he is to become England manager, that is an issue because you know when we judge England managers like prime ministers a lot on presentation as well as results. It doesn't great with me as much, but um, if it if it does draw that sort of polarity of reaction from people, then it's something he's got to think about. He, sadly, he's,
2: he's he's not English, which for me is reason enough for him never to be England manager, <laughs> and it's actually I think it's even worse if you pick an, if you're england and you pick a, an england manager from one of the other home nations
4: Ju- julian what wanna... yeah well, well, i think what was very obvious on friday is how what an amazing communicator club is and I think that in the end, that's probably what cost Brendan Rodgers a lot, is that he lost his way in terms of communication as well. You know, it was never his fault. There was all those, when they have an average game, he was saying, well, I thought we played amazing today. Well, no, you didn't mate. And suddenly, you know, when, before he signed, we had all those experts on the club, like they knew all about his life. They saw him when he was at Mainz and all of that. And suddenly we had all those people saying like, how great was, everything. But it was the club show on, on Friday morning. And I think everybody fell in love with him and he knew, he knew it would be the case. And I think he prepared it so well. And And he said exactly the right things, and he just seduced everybody. And that was probably the best way for him to start his Liverpool career. And there was then never any doubt that he would start that
1: way. I think what what really intrigued intrigued me about Klopp is that. So I could kind of understand. Liverpool's a really polarised fan base. All clubs fan bases are polarised, but Liverpool's is particularly polarised and factionalised. And I think it was fairly obvious that Klopp, because of his because of his reputation, because of kind of his larger than life personality, that he would unite all those sort of diffuse factions, and that's fine. I wasn't expecting his appointment at Liverpool, which is a club that also polarises other people, to be quite so well received, which I think is, is testament to how, how warm people feel towards Klopp himself. But what really interested me was that, and I can't quite put my finger on it, and Gab will shout me down and make me look a dick, <laughs> but so the, there's like football charisma. We think of f- charismatic people within football as following a certain type. And it, for the last ten years, it's kind of been the Mourinho thing. Like you have to be a little bit like Mourinho. You have to speak in these sort of aphoristic statements. You've got to be kind of brooding, and slightly sexual, and you've got to be kind of—I don't know—that like, there's this kind of intensity. To that everyone's got a little bit of Mourinho or a little bit of Guardiola, and I think Rogers fell into that trap, and that's where he maybe lost his way. That he kind of want everything he was doing was dressed up as something bigger. Klopp has a very unfootball charisma. Klopp, even if Klopp was a bank manager would be an incredibly charismatic bank manager. He'd be the GP you'd want to go and see. Yeah, Do you I know agree. what I mean? I agree. Whereas all of the others follow seem to follow at the same pattern almost. <laughs>
2: I, I I actually uh, agree with you there. Um, so there. Oh, wow. Oh my God. wow. <laughs> I
4: agree, actually. Although
3: it's, I mean, and I, I agree as well. And I think there's something slightly, um, I don't know, if, it like you were following the sort of Klopp unveiling on Twitter and it was sort of, you could almost, um, it almost became nauseous uh, to, to hear a lot of sort of grown men um, being seduced well, quite Well, actually, <laughs> so easy, Joe Dickle, if I can so jump easily. in
2: on that. Uh, when he said, I am the normal one. Everybody came out and talked yeah, about yeah, how yeah. it was the most brilliant thing anybody had ever said. When, in fact, the very brilliant and extremely charismatic Avram Grant said the exact same, <laughs> same thing nearly a decade ago.
3: Exactly. So, exactly. so he was actually recycling an Avram line and managed to sort of pull that off as a, a moment of genius. Um, but no, I mean, look, I think he is um, absolutely... Um, far warmer character um, than um, Mourinho, who, you know, did, let's remember, pull the same sort of trick of seduction uh, on, on day one. But I think um, at the same time, it's going to be interesting. You know, I mean, the fact is I think Klopp's been sent off, what, eight, nine times in his career. You know, he's, he's, he's a guy who sticks his face very angrily in, in officials' faces. He's been known to, to sort of call it on with, with journalists. So, I mean, you know, I, I think there is more humanity to him or I suspect a lot more warmth to him uh, and a lot more charm to him than Mourinho um, at the same time you know this was day one um, and I think there's bound to be some turbulence on the way I mean we say we, we sort of we see him I think on from this side as, as this guy who sort of you know, is is like this all the time with a big smile on his face, and actually, he can he can rage and fume and and be as blinkered as any manager out there. I mean, they're all they're all mad in their own different way.
2: <laughs> Dico, uh, join me in some uh, in some time travel here. It's uh, May 2018. We're we're all we're all getting really really excited and looking forward to uh, the World Cup in Russia. Um, <laughs> Klopp is the Liverpool manager, and he has achieved minimum results to keep his job. What are those minimum results in your mind?
3: Well, again, this is you know it's a great debate because the fact is, on you know I wrote about this when he got the job, at Liverpool's sort of people talk about putting Liverpool back where they belong. Well, you know if we're you know we're all bound up with sort of financial power of a club at the moment. Back where Liverpool belong is fifth place in in, in the Premier League. I mean that's that is where they belong. At, at, at the moment, on on clout, on you know, on on sort of the muscle of the club. So if you get in the top four, you're overachieving. Clearly, the the club themselves have aspirations for that. They think Klopp is an overachiever, and and I think well, his, his record shows that he is. I think he will get them, you know, around the top four. I suspect because there's always a you know a bit of turbulence. you know look at Chelsea this season, Chelsea might be, uh, you know, their, their bullet may continue a while. There's there's an opportunity there this season to, to maybe hit the top four. But I think FSG want a, a someone who can consistently overachieve, right. and um, that's, that's no small feat.
2: Right, moving on to FIFA, FIFA in the headlines again. We had a mini FIFA debate last week. We kind of have to do another one this week because Michel Platini and Sepp Blatter are both suspended. I'm assuming you guys all know the the background, so I'll just jump to the present. Um, on Thursday, UEFA meet, and they basically have to decide whether they they're going to continue backing Michel Platini, and I think Platini needs to convince them that he will be cleared of these charges. Uh, one alternative, of course, is for them to field another candidate, like a uh, Michael Van Prague or a. Uh, or Luis Figo, who would then step aside if Puccini is, in, is indeed cleared, or they could just break the glass and wheel him out if Puccini continues to be in trouble. And then uh, a week after that is also a FIFA executive committee meeting, at which they will likely vote to postpone the election and buy everybody more time. Dico, what's your take here? Uh, we can get all sort of wonky and, and and talk about, you know, sort of the politics and whatever, but what does... What Patini need to do, do you think, to convince the majority of UEFA nations to stand by him?
3: They want to be convinced um, in his probity, but the fact is he's done a lousy, awful, you know, stinkingly awful job of convincing us um, and through us, the general public, that um, that this this whole issue of the 1.3 million payment doesn't doesn't stink to high heaven. It's the timing, obviously, that's key. You know, a we learn um this morning that there was never um a written contract for this money it was just word of mouth between him and blatter which obviously is shall we say troubling with a capital t um, some of us actually reported that last week but well you did you're, um and also there is the fact that um you know this the, the fact you know he's put out several statements now with in, you know increasing bluster and outrage um and yet He has not not one sentence of those statements has answered the key issue of the timing. He has not explained why it was, you know, in early 2011 that he suddenly remembered he was owed one point three million quid. Um, You know, so he can dismiss all he likes, the idea that this was a coincidence, that this was approaching a crucial FIFA um, election. But unless he comes up with a coherent explanation, I'm afraid everyone's going to think it, it, it absolutely stinks. The public, are not, obviously, are not the electorate on this, it's, you know, and, and say, I, I think the European nations want to stick, to stick by, by him. I think he's got enough um, sway, I mean, as we've seen with our own FA, that, uh, you know, they've got themselves into a terrible hole um, backing him, and, and don't know how to get out of that hole.
2: Right, enough of that. Let's move on to some quick hits. France didn't play any qualifiers, but they did get plenty of friendlies and most recently beat Denmark 2 1 with Olivier Giroud scoring two goals. Julien, is it fair to say he's more important to Le Blues than Le Gunners right now?
4: No, because he's not. He hadn't scored since March against Denmark at home. So the form maybe is maybe not. Maybe you should great. move and play in the Tippeligaen for Michelin. <laughs> maybe, but the form is not great for France was like like it was not great for It's not for called league. you made a face Tipe li- tip typically is, tip league is Norway yeah. Well, yeah. what other
2: weirdo Scandinavian name S- Super Liga oh, So how original Superliga? that's what it's called in Turkey too Sorry.
4: So yeah his form was not much better with France than it was with with, with Arsenal however the brace against Denmark on, on Sunday night would do him a lot of good you know for the coming month with Arsenal Big
2: Sam Allardyce is the new Sunderland manager Dico is it an enlightened choice for what Sunderland need right now and um why does he seem to define opinion so much?
3: Uh, is it an inline choice? I think it's an improvement. I think it's a, a rational, rational choice. I think um, I think he has a decent record. Um, decent record at a few different places. Um, people get sniffy about him. You know, there was that sort of nonsense about the Newcastle way when he went up there, which um, was a load of nonsense. Um, what is the Newcastle way? Um, no, I think I think he's. Uh, I think they may still struggle, because I don't mean they've got a great squad, but um, if you want to try and get out of the, the mess they're in, I don't know where else they were going to turn.
2: Only one player playing abroad has been picked for England since 2010, as we read in Bill Edgar's excellent column today. Rory, can you name him? And is this actually a big deal? And I want to stress, Rory has not read Bill Edgar's piece, so yes. he's doing this entirely from memory and from his deep knowledge of England squads uh, past.
1: Uh, no, I have read Bill Edgar's <laughs> piece. And did he No, you know? the answer is Scott Carson, who played for Bursaspor in Turkey. Um, the is it a big deal? I, it is to me. I think it would be better for English football if more players moved abroad. I understand that there are lots of arguments about why that wouldn't work and why it's not a great idea, and it's certainly not a panacea, but I certainly think it should be encouraged. We Football is a global marketplace. It seems bizarre that English players seem to think they're exempt from that, although there are a lot of young kids uh, who are now starting to go out. There's three or four in Germany, there's a couple in France, uh, who are going to take advantage of the continent's wonderful uh, youth systems and High quality of life. When you I say agree. kids,
2: you actually mean like children, or do you mean players we've actually heard of? 16, of 15, 20, 16, 17 fifteen, sixteen, seventeen-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys 19, who couldn't make the cut at Arsenal or no, Liverpool no, no. The choice, no. mm-hmm.
1: they tend to have gone from the smaller clubs, high quality academies. There's a couple of gone from MK Dons, for example,
2: of Crystal Palace to Moshe
1: Lens Yeah, yeah. One that yeah. 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 well, Danny Collins stuck Yeah, it's a few.
2: Interesting. Absolutely horrid day for Tim Krul. He wasn't even supposed to play uh, for Holland against Kazakhstan, but then Jasper Cillessen gets himself injured in the warm-up. Krul plays and uh, suffers knee ligament damage he's going to miss the rest of the season it's another massive blow for Newcastle Julian and uh, for our friend Steve McLaren well, we're going to see more of Rob Elliott who has 18 league starts since 2011 or perhaps Carl Darlow who has yet to play top flight football uh, please
4: assess the loss I think it's the worst thing that could happen to them they could have done without Papi Cici, without Sissoko without Colicini but, but not Krul who's you know, arguably you know, didn't have the, the best off-start of the season, but still, probably their best player, and I think it's a massive blow for them. And I just can't wait to see Robelio playing again. After the offline Dutch video
2: uh, experiment, we're getting a real live one, albeit in non-competitive games and across the pond. Uh, Dico, you've written about this more than once, but in two different leagues, so please
3: tell us more. Uh, yeah, well, finally. I mean, it's, it's, isn't it crackers that it's taken this long? The MLS... Um been sort of you know go ahead um types are trial in the first live experiments of video uh, replays the dutch wanted to do it but in fifa uh, on on the uh, the fifa members of ifab blocked it in their stupidity if there's one thing that is just so stupid we've had this debate on and on and on can video replays work should it work how might it work and yet no one has ever bothered to even find out um God bless them, are going to at least try. They think it can work. Let's see, and let's see how it works. Let's see what can be improved. Let's see what needs tweaking, what needs extra trials. But finally, finally, we might actually have some evidence for this endless um, debate.
2: Amen to that. Uh, I'm I'm all for testing like this. And uh, incidentally, in case you're wondering, I know people will tweet about this. Dicko is the only person on the show who is allowed to refer to it as the MLS. Everybody else will get shouted at if they call it that. Victor Valdez is reportedly being treated like a pariah at Old Trafford. His locker was cleared out in the summer. He's training on his own at weird times to ensure he doesn't run into any real Manchester United footballers. Um, now, he's come out and he's stressed that he's done nothing against the club, uh, or that he has nothing against the club. It's evidently a personal problem with Louis van Gaal. Rory, how did it come to this, and should Valdez be getting legal advice? Well, presumably he is. Uh, you'd have thought so. It sounds
1: if, if the reports are true, then it sounds like he maybe has a case for constructive dismissal, although people in football are very reticent to involve stuff like that.
2: Well And you presume United have that very fancy lawyer, is it Maurice Watkins, right? So you, you presume that they're doing everything just to stay right on the right side of... I so, yeah. Um, it's,
1: it's all related to what happened last season when Valdez arrived on a free transfer. Uh, depending on who you believe, Valdez either didn't have a problem at all and behaved very well, and did what was asked of him uh, but was disappointed not to play more for the first team uh, or he refused to play for the under 21s and had a bad atti- bad attitude bad attitude and was not particularly pleasant to some of the young players around uh, the what i believe we have to call the aeon training complex uh, and <laughs> who says that who refer- refers to the aeon tra- ridiculous what do we, i don't even know what aeon do um but yeah, so that's that's it, and it seems very intractable. It's very odd. I find it very strange. I've got to admit that they that they haven't just sat down and said, "Right, we'll release you from your contract. Let's do a deal." They clearly don't want him around. He doesn't want to be there. It's bizarre. It's really quite bizarre. They're not prepared to sit down and say, "Right, enough's enough."
2: I I, I would guess that maybe they want to send a message to other to other guys. It was curious too because <coughs> the the deal with uh, Besiktas, I think it was in in August, was was all set, and then Besiktas did what the version I heard they did what clubs do in that situation they said oh by the way you know how we said we were going to pick up this much of his contract uh, actually it's only this much so you guys have to pay him off and whatever and, and then it all collapsed but I suppose at that stage United were rather busy with De Gea and Martial and whatever else and it kind of fell through the cracks But very sad
1: Gab one for you I heard something about a mysterious football leaks website data dumping contracts onto
2: the web what is the deal with that? Well, thank you for asking, Rory. <laughs> this is a story which got hasn't gotten that much attention here, um, but it's the Football Leaks uh, website uh, hosted on the uh, hosted on LiveJournal, I believe. It started maybe about two weeks ago, where every day somebody started posting new details about contracts, about uh, third-party ownership deals mostly involving uh, Portuguese clubs. There's stuff on there, on on Marcos Rojo, on Radamel Falcao. It's not that there's anything necessarily, these don't necessarily allege any illegality, although you can look at it and you can maybe extrapolate it because it's basically a, a big data dump. It looked to me more like somebody wanted to send a message, look, we have this information and we can disseminate it if you don't do, as we say. Lots of mystery and rumors and conspiracy for which you could get in trouble for suggesting Mm. who's behind it, but I think most people have a fairly clear idea who's behind it. Uh, Interestingly, while the site was still up as of last night, the actual contracts themselves, because you you, you basically the contracts are a big file, so you have to they're hosted somewhere else in this thing called Yandex, which is like Google Archive, but for Russians. They're not available on there anymore, so those of us who downloaded everything and keep it on a secret zip drive in an undisclosed location uh, still have access to this information. I'm really curious to see what happens with this and whether the stuff will go back up, but it does This kind of show you that in football, if somebody wanted to make a lot of stuff public, um, there are people out there doing it. And it does make you wonder about security as well. Right, that's all we've got time for this week. Many, many, many thanks to my excellent guest today, Matt Dickinson all the way from Vilnius on his roaming, Rory K. Smith here in the studio, and Julian Lawrence Rory, you're leaving us for four weeks I
1: am that is true
2: hugely disappointing uh, but Julian you'll be back here next week uh, yes. I won't be back because I'm going away as well I'm not going away with Rory in case you're wondering uh, but I'm going on holiday So you there. are
1: invited if you want to come
2: let's see do I, where are you going?
1: Uh, we're going to New Zealand
2: are you going on your honeymoon? Yes. Okay, you're kind of a freak show. You're in a weird. I'm going on my you honeymoon. I
0: want to watch. bring Gab along. <laughs> That's kind of sad. You can't, can't come
1: for the duration, but if you were in the area, we could
4: have dinner. Be nice. He's like Justin Bieber, apparently, on honeymoon as well.
0: Yeah, they, so this... He this, walks naked what called, no, but,
1: everywhere. But. No, but what are they These They're called buddy moons, where you take your friends with you as well. That's <laughs> quite a nice idea.
0: No wow. way. Yeah.
2: Well... Uh, see, maybe, maybe you even consider that because you haven't been living in, if you hadn't been living in sin all these years, then, uh, um, then, then you'd actually be excited and would only <laughs> want to be with your better half on your honeymoon rather than bringing along random people. So, anybody, anybody out there on Twitter? If uh, it's it's uh, what Rory Smith Times, if yep. you want to go and join him on his uh,
4: <laughs> on his honeymoon, yes, in New Zealand, <laughs> I'll be
2: posting on the Football League's website details of the hotels <laughs> where he's staying as well as his travel arrangements. In question, um, remember if you press that subscribe button, uh, you'll hear from us every single week. And remember, you can get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free as part of your subscription. It's just twelve pounds for a twelve week trial. Uh, just search the Times online. Till next week, bye-bye.
3: Your subscription to the
1: Times and the Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away.